0: So one of the uh, reasons why uh, I like Flutter is because um, I've been looking for a universal programming language for everything um, that would be cross-platform. It would run on the desktop, and uh, originally I thought that that uh, software package would be Angular, um, where it was component-based. You could write your components, deploy the components, reuse them, and, uh, but then as I um, learned how to program uh, Angular, I found that there were a lot of complexities hid within uh, the framework itself, um, especially with directives, uh, where directives code source location was difficult to find, where you had to trace uh, to a certain file and then you had to figure out what the dependencies were. And, uh, and that was very time consuming and I thought about that process and I thought about the fact that uh, uh, software development now is becoming uh, more uh, modular and uh, faster, you're utilizing more of the uh, programming language syntax to do more with less. So an example of that would be uh, using of generics. So you're, you're re- reusing more code with template classes, uh, abstract classes where you can uh, set up either uh, overrides for the abstract uh, methods and, and, uh, and also accessing uh, shared uh, m- memory variables. Um, so the polymorphism. Uh, with the overriding. Those type of things, uh, they, they make the programming language, object-oriented language, more intuitive. Uh, they also make it more powerful to do more with less, uh, and you're reusing more code. So anytime you reuse code and spend time refactoring so you're programming less, the better off you are. But uh, I, as I started doing a lot of the uh, of object-oriented programming, I realized that you didn't want to have uh, really deep-layered uh, class inheritance. And the main reason is because of uh, it makes a very rigid structure. And so it's not easy to refactor or reform, uh, especially when you get a large code base and it has a, a very deep object-oriented uh, tree structure. So the better way is like something like Java where you only have one layer of inheritance. And that's what I've tried to do with interfaces, um, and abstract classes and uh, templating or generics is to keep everything within one layer of, of, uh, of inheritance. And then uh, one of the interesting things about the Dart language is its reduction in the code syntax. For example, in C Sharp, you, you have uh, protected, internal, private, public variables. And uh, those properties have a getter and a setter. Uh, Inside Dart, you can you don't have the public-private. It's either going to be publicly exposed where you define your variable, or it's private where you use an underscore in front of it. So it reduces the amount of typing that you have to do, and uh, uh, I really like that aspect about uh, the Dart language. Um, a lot of similarities uh, when you're looking at inheritance uh, uses like the Java implies instead of the colon for the inheritance and our implements and the other thing I liked about it is um, that it uh, has things that are familiar to most uh, modern programmers like things like collections, lists, uh, data dictionaries which they call maps. So they call what we call dictionaries in C sharp they call uh, maps in, in Dart. And so for, from a uh, C-sharp programmer standpoint, looking at Dart, um, the code was very readable, and, uh, and, uh, and they had lambda functions, just like uh, C-sharp has lambda functions. And the syntax to implement the lambda functions uh, was a little bit um, more condensed or concise, I guess, than the C-sharp that I noticed. And so for those little reasons, I was pretty impressed with the Dart language. You can uh, set in Visual Studio Code. You can set a debugger breaks. Uh, you can inspect your uh, variables, and uh, you could and quickly uh, change uh, your widgets uh, in your widget tree, and then press R or save, and and it will do a hot reload. You can do a a full reload if you want with a large R, a small hot reload with an, an R in Visual Studio Code, and. Uh, and then it immediately reflects that change in the uh, emulator. So those are some of the things that uh, I found that was interesting. I, I think that uh, if I were to make a project uh, prediction based on what I've seen so far in Dart, uh, you have packages, you have uh, you have um, plugins. I would say that Dart is going to be. The next uh, language that everyone wants to learn, uh, and it's going to surpass Angular. And the reason why it'll surpass Angular and and React is because a, every widget um, is a component, and so you you build your widgets. Uh, and it's a programmable language in Dart. Uh, you can use packages, and then um, th- and then that uh, is then. Uh, accessible to uh, the commercial. Today I'll be talking about uh, first steps of installing Flutter. Um, To begin with, Flutter is a new technology uh, recently developed by Google which uh, converts their user interface to widgets from components. Uh, When you work with Angular, things are built in components and small files. With Flutter, you work in a programming language called Dart, which is uh, syntactically like a cross between uh, Java, C-sharp, maybe you might say even Python or JavaScript. But uh, it's a programmable language, and so widgets are now programmable pieces of code, and that allows for scalability uh, and, and reuse. One of the big advantages of, of Flutter and Dart is that you could build one code base and it's portable to Chrome, um, iOS, and Android. And uh, so I, I got both installations to work. I, I got the Windows installation to work and uh, also I've got the um, uh, MacBook Pro. Um, installation to work and preferably what I like was uh, the iMac I found the iMac to be a little bit faster it seemed like it uh, it it, a reason why it was went to the iMac instead of the Windows is I was running parallels Windows parallels and I was getting an error message that the HAXD virtual was not able to run uh, in a virtual machine and I, I know that uh, Parallels has an Android installation version uh, But I was unable to get that to work because I didn't have those initial installs uh, The machine had been installed previously by the admin. So I, ch- I um, Got a little frustrated that way and so I went to the uh, looked at the instructions for installing on the, the iMac and uh, what happens is, is you have a uh, you have the uh, code. You install Visual Studio Code from Microsoft, um, and then you install the Flutter plugin. And and when you do that, uh, you install uh, uh, the uh, Dart plugins. And there's a number of plugins that you can select. And uh, once you get that up and running. Um, you install Android uh, Studio for the iMac, and then you install Flutter, and uh, uh, and, and then you can either do a, a GitHub clone uh, and get the the stable version, or you can get the development version, or you can get the master. Now, if you get the if you get the master. Um, that that will give you access to building web uh, web and that's one of the things that uh, i'll be talking about uh, in other podcasts is how to to uh, build a website using flutter but flutter comes with a large number of, of packages that you can um, download uh, ones that I, i'm interested in are uh, augmented reality ar uh, core and uh, you could plug that in, uh, machine learning, AI, deep learning, uh, some CNN, image recognition, uh, things like that that uh, uh, we've been talking about on this podcast, which I, I feel like you need to have a mobile app to, to um, build your interfaces in the future. A mobile is becoming, is the new replacement to the web, uh, 2.0 or 3.0 depending on how you see it. and. Uh, and uh, as a result, you need to have a programmable language, uh, which uh, uh, Flutter is is we're using with Dart. And you can uh, inside Visual Studio Code, you can set breakpoints. Uh, you can look at uh, uh, Flutter has a tool uh, where you you can see. Uh, the analysis of the heap. Uh, you can do uh, performance analysis, and I haven't actually looked at that Flutter analysis, but uh, or it, it can analyze your Dart code. Uh, but uh, it, it was kind of exciting. Uh, so once you, what do you have? Is once you install Flutter, you put it in the directories, set up your Etsy path to Flutter so that when you run Flutter Doctor, uh, it'll know where the path is. And then you uh, install your Android Studio and the Android Studio's library resides under uh, user library and uh, that's where your emulator runs. And You can start your emulator at the command line if you want or uh, you can go into the uh, device manager in Android Studio and then set up uh, either an ARM version or a x86. Uh, and when you first run that emulator if you haven't set up your virtualization uh, with your H, um A X D, then it'll tell you that you need to do that so then you can uh, at the uh, uh, bios level uh, you you press i think it was uh, f10 or f8 and then it will then take you into the bios and then you go to the advanced settings and then you can Uh, you could turn on uh, the virtualization and so uses the emulator uses that virtualization for faster performance Uh, and uh, what I found was interesting is on the Mac I didn't have to do that that it automatically set that virtualization up during the install of Android studio so uh, that, that was a nicer feature on the Mac versus the Windows. Windows actually, I spent a lot of time in Stack Overflow reading the error messages I was getting. and uh, One of the things that uh, was kind of a challenge uh, uh, when I first started my uh, emulator and I I'd selected my device and, and I was running it, trying to run it for the first time, was that um, it came up with an error message that there was insufficient internal uh, storage space. And so what I did was uh, looked around a lot on Stack Overflow for what was causing that. And then after a little while, um, one thing I did was I, I tried to wipe the data. And so you go into the device and one of the options were edit and then wipe the data. But one of the things that I found uh, that worked was Uh, In the advanced setting on the device uh, inside the AVD, I was able to uh, change the internal storage space to a number that matched what was on the iMac, which was uh, uh, two gigabytes. And then I fired it up and the emulator then ran. So one of the things on the iOS side, you can run your code in uh, Xcode, uh, or you can, Uh, run it directly by setting up an emulator uh, from Visual Studio Code and then it will call Xcode. But if you do it that way, then what it uh, will require, so you can go, the first way is you go into Visual Studio Code, you go to iOS directory and then you right click it and say open in Xcode and then you run your uh, Xcode in, uh, uh, then you select your your device type and then you run it directly from within Xcode and that worked great uh, you can get your sample up and running that way then the other way to do that is from within Visual Studio Code uh, launch the emulator and then if the iOS emulator is set up properly then it will say Uh, select iOS emulator and then it'll give you a list of devices and then you select the iOS device that you want and then run it. Uh, One of the things that it'll want you to do is to set up your your team, uh, which means that you need to have a developer uh, provisioning. So uh, then you would put in your, uh, you sign on as a developer, get your provisioning certificates and load that onto the Mac and then uh, the emulator that would would be able, the Visual Studio Code will be able to uh, deploy the uh, packages to the iOS emulator. And uh, and so it treats you as like a developer. And so that was something that I found was uh, really interesting.